What is the first thing in sacred scripture that God says is not good? For man to be alone. Right? Because the beautiful hymn of creation has this um, almost refrain to it of God saw it and it was good. God saw it and it was good. God saw it and it was good. This beautiful rhythm is then disturbed. And the first instance that God sees something and says that it is not good is when he says it is not good for man to be alone. Now, the truth proclaimed there is a powerful one, and that is that we are made for communion. Very often we think that the definition of success is that we're self-sufficient, that we don't need anybody. I can do it all myself. Well, that is a vile lie spit up from the bowels of hell. If God is a communion of persons, we need communion with persons as well. Whether it be the family we came from or the family we then formed, we need communion. That's why it's such a courageous and beautiful prophetic witness when a man and a woman come up to this church and sit right there and proclaim publicly before everybody, I need someone else. I need this person in order to fulfill God's will in my life. I'm not totally self-sufficient. I'm in fact needy, first of all, of God, and secondarily of the people God gives me. Because virtue would be so easy if it weren't for other people, right? If it weren't for the people that I lived with, oh man, I would be so patient. If it weren't for the people in my life that aggravate me in this way or in that way, I would be a saint. If it weren't for others, my life would be so easy. That's how we imagine it sometimes in our tougher moments. When we're dealing with somebody who who might be uh, very difficult to be around. And yet, it's those very people that God sends us to sanctify us. It is the spouse. For most people, it is their spouse that is for them their road to heaven. Because it is the spouse that gives more opportunities for growth and patience. It is the spouse that gives more opportunities than anybody else for you to have to beg forgiveness. More opportunities than anybody else for you to be able to extend forgiveness. God brings people together not because they're perfect fits, but precisely because there are ways that they're going to rub against each other. He specifically brings you to the person that might perfect you. That might cause you to learn that that deeper level of love that is beyond just, I feel great about this person, but more, I have to choose to love this person. Because really, if it was up to me today, I wouldn't even look at this person because I'm so mad at him for doing this or doing that or doing this other thing. Or she promised that she would no longer do A, B, or C, but she still did, and I just this, that's the last person that I want to be around right now. And yet I choose in that moment to love. See, that's where matrimony is one of the great opportunities that we have for growth in holiness. Because it's not easy. And I don't have to be telling you this. You know it. You know that there are certain hurdles, certain obstacles that you face. Times that the person you love the most is also the last person you want to be around. And it's in those moments that our hearts are stretched. 
to be capable of a love more like Christ. And it's in those moments that we fulfill our mission in this life most. Because the one most important thing that we will ever learn in this life is how to love well. Right? At, at the end of our days, when we're dwelling in eternity, it's not going to matter what our hobbies were, whether we excelled or not at this profession or this other one. It's not going to matter what people thought of us. The only thing that's going to matter is, did I learn to love selflessly like Christ does? Did I learn how to accept my cross and, and to thrive within that? Did I learn to have joy in sacrifice? That's ultimately the thing that matters more than anything else because it's in that learning to love well that we become more the image and likeness of the God who is love. And that's where even a difficult marriage can be a grace. Even those moments when you think, what have I done? You can turn to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do in me? How are you teaching me in this instance to love better? Marriage is not easy, but that's part of the brilliance and the wonder of marriage, is that it is a difficult thing that causes us to grow if we're willing to. It's because of this that the church has always reverenced marriage so much, lifting something that was natural to us and bringing it to a supernatural level of being called a sacrament of being a living witness of the love of Christ for his church. It's because of this that the church has had to follow what Christ said and not go the way of the world, right? Because the world treats marriage as just a contract, as something that once I don't want it to continue, I can find a way out of it. The church instead listens to Christ, her head. And when Christ, her head, says... So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. We listen. And we realize that divorce is not a light subject, but something that needs to be prayed over seriously. It is never one of the first options. It's only ever a last resort, that separation of two who have, in the eyes of God, become one. But we realize that it is a reality. And many of you, maybe for the first few minutes of this homily, have just been shifting in your seats thinking, man, I feel judged. I feel like Father's talking about how great marriage is, but he hasn't lived it. How can he know what I've been through? How can he know how difficult this is? And that's how many of us feel about the church. We feel that the church just doesn't understand the things that have led to separations or to divorce. There is no aspect of the human heart that God does not know and love. And so it is with his church. Even though we reverence matrimony, that commitment of one's life to another, we recognize that in a fallen world with fallen people, there are very deep wounds that are created in relationships. And sometimes, yes, the separation is necessary. And that's why we follow Christ's words as he continues. He says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. The fact of separation, no, sometimes that's just a reality. 
Sometimes that's something that's actually needed to exit a toxic situation. Sometimes that's what's needed in order to not subject oneself or one's family to further abuse. The church never requires you to stay in an abusive relationship. The church never requires you to continually feed into something that is toxic. So there's a misconception often that people have that if they are separated from their spouse, if they are divorced, they cannot come up to communion. No, that's not the case. Separation and divorce is something that you probably didn't go into lightly. It's something that probably still hurts you very much and you're absolutely still part of the body of Christ. Totally loved by the Lord. Fully a member of this church, of this family. And I want to be able to walk with you through that painful experience. You still need the Lord. But what you also need is clarity as to your situation. And that's why the church understanding that in a fallen world, every relationship is going to be to some degree fallen, has a process to investigate every relationship, to be able to look at it at its root, to say, was there a valid marriage here? Or was something missing? Is this person actually free to enter into a new union or not? That process is called the annulment process. And it's not Catholic divorce. It's not us just saying like, oh, this is our different way of laying asunder something that God had put together. No, this is us looking deeply into the truth of the matter to see, did God actually put these two together completely or was something missing? Is this person actually free to enter into a new union? It is a long process, very often. It's a difficult process. It's also a healing process because it gives that closure that a, a broken relationship often needs to be able to, with great courage, but not alone, with the support of the church, to enter back into some of that brokenness, some of that pain, and to be able to face it not alone, but with Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I need to know where you were at this moment. I need to know where you were at that moment. To be able to investigate it, look at the roots and say, okay, yes, something was missing here. And that feeling that I had that something wasn't right, yeah, it corresponds to reality. Something really wasn't right. I didn't fail. He didn't fail. We didn't fail. It was broken from the start. It's important that we be able to have the courage to look at the reality of the situation. It's important also that as a church, we never judge a family or a couple that's going through difficulties. One who might be separated. Those who have divorced. We never know all of the details of another person's life. And so the one thing that God enjoins us not to do over and over and over again is judge or condemn. He's the one that always wants to seek the truth of the matter, wants to reveal that truth to uh, those involved, and wants to be the one helping and healing rather than judging and condemning. And we who are made in His image, we need to have that same role of loving those who are having difficulties in their marriage, loving those who have decided to separate, loving those who have divorced, loving those who are thinking of remarriage or who have already remarried, and accompanying those in difficult, heart-wrenching situations. And so when the Lord speaks of matrimony in such high terms, He means it. But He also means the love that he has for people who feel like they haven't, haven't lived up to that high call. We're all 
failures in one way or another, right? Me and my vocation, every single person and all of them. God doesn't look at us as failures. He looks at us as works in progress. They're continuing to strive more and more to live out whatever he's called us to. So we support one another in that. Of course, this reading doesn't end on marriage. No, it continues. It continues and instead goes to people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And here we see that the scriptures put together marriage and children. Young children already intuit this, that marriage and children go together. All cultures all across history have put those two together, that marriage and children go together. But it hasn't been until a lot of the diabolical developments the last hundred years that we split those apart. We had this double split. The first split was from between commitment and love. We thought that we can have love without having commitment. And so you see these engagements that just go on for months, then years, then decades. Because there's this fear of, I don't want to make the wrong call. And I totally get that, that, that fear, because maybe we've been burned in the past. But I think at the source of that fear sometimes is that we're not bringing Jesus into the equation and saying, Lord, can I trust you with this heart and the heart that beats in this other person's chest? Can I trust you with this relationship? Can we entrust ourselves to you? Can we see kind of, is this going somewhere? And if not, do I have the courage to say, if this isn't going anywhere, I'm out. Because my heart is worthy of more than this kind of indecision. So the first split that occurred is between love and commitment, thinking that there can be love and always delaying commitment, letting that love erode more and more and more rather than grow in the context of a commitment. And then the second separation is between that committed love and an openness to life, where there's this fear once again at root of saying, God, you don't know what I can handle. I know what I can handle. I need to be in control of when and whether I have a child because I know myself better than you know me, God. That's what's at the root of whenever we say, no, I have to take the wheel. I have to be the one in control. But I get it. It is such a difficult world to bring a child into. We feel so inadequate. But that's because we're focusing on what we of our own strength are capable of. Instead of realizing that just as marriage is the way that God stretches a heart to make it capable of selfless, heroic love, so is family. Accepting a child, if that is the gift that God chooses to give, is one of the greatest ways that our hearts can expand in that patience, that kindness that is love. Not easy. Just like marriage isn't easy. Just like every single life isn't easy. Boy, is it worth it to do the will of God. Because it's there that we learn how to love. Now as a final note, we reflect on the saddest aspect of current society. The month of October is one that is dedicated to respecting life. Respect Life Month is what it is for our Conference of Catholic Bishops. And it's in direct response to the fact that we don't do that in our country. 
that we have the most extreme form of not letting the children come to Jesus by actually ending their lives when they're at their first stages in their mother's wombs. Now, why is this an important topic, especially for us? Because we're neighbors to Texas, right? We, thanks be to God, have not had an abortion mill here for some time, if for, for, for a very long time in the area. But now with the heartbeat bill, I wouldn't be shocked if within the next year, two years, three years, some of the abortion providers come knocking saying, no, 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 we want this business opportunity here in Clovis, where in New Mexico our laws are, are all about abortion. What are we as a community going to do to stand up for the children who cannot speak for themselves? Well, for us to have courage in that cultural fight, it starts with having a trust with the Lord in our own personal lives. Having an understanding among ourselves. And so just as much as we have to guard against, uh, against um, condemning or judging those who are having marital problems, those who have divorced and separated, those who have maybe uh, attempted remarriage, so we're not allowed to condemn or judge those women that feel like abortion is their only option. Instead, we are called to be that body of Christ that embraces them, that supports them, that says, please, I will help you in the difficulties of your life. And that's not just lip service, but I'm actually going to do something to help you. We have a uh, crisis pregnancy center here in the area that always can use help. We can reach out to them during this Respect Life Month to see what we can do to help rather than condemn and judge. In this month, we also reflect on the rosary. Because October has traditionally been the month of the rosary. And so if any part of this homily has hit us particularly hard, if maybe there's something that's unsettled there and we've thought, man, I really need to just sit with this a little bit and have some more peace. Maybe we're angry, frustrated, sad, hurt, whatever the case may be. I encourage you to spend this month with mom. I don't know how your relationship with biological mom was, but heavenly mom is perfect. We can jump in her lap and every day pray the rosary. We pray the rosary for a sanctification of the marriages in our, in our parish, in our families. For those who, who are on the brink of despair, for them to be able to reach out to the Lord in hope through the intercession of Mary to be able to heal their relationships. For those who have separated, we pray for them, for the pain, for the loneliness, for all that might be passing in their hearts, that Our Lady may be able to console them. For those women who feel like abortion is their only option, for those who maybe are pressuring her into it, we pray for them and their situations. For all of these things and all the other intentions that we have in our hearts, we bring them to Our Lady in this month of October. I challenge you to pray the rosary every day of this month to grow your relationship with Our Lady so that then you can live your vocation with great holiness. You may rededicate yourself to it and through your vocation become masters of the art of love. Mm -hmm.